The modern history of the General Services Administration from roughly the mid-1990s to today includes three distinct periods. The 90s was a time of adjustment, with GSA going from a mandatory source to a fee-based agency. The early 2000s brought trouble with financing and misuse of the schedule contracts. In the second part of an ongoing special report, GSA at 70, Mission Evolved, executive editor Jason Miller discusses with GSA's current administrator, Emily Murphy, about how that third current period of GSA history is different from her first stint back in the 2000s and how she's guiding the agency forward. I spent my first tour at GSA on what I sort of think of as an apology tour, going around from agency to agency, telling them we were really sorry, we weren't going to ever do this again, we were going to work with them to make it right, and and helping make sure that we were engaging in compliant procurement. So again, it was a tough time for GSA as an agency. So they went from really the mid-90s where they were going away to the heady early 2000s to 2005 where it was back, you know, the pendulum was back on the other side again. GSA is doing really well now, though. The Federal Acquisition Service was established a little over, what, 12 years ago now? And the synergies that were expected there were really starting to materialize. It's acting as one organization. It's doing incredibly well business-wise. The Public Building Service is is developing incredible savings. So it's been sort of fun to watch that progression and also see GSA in a point now where we're really being embraced by other agencies, by OMB and by others, for the fact we can bring solutions and expertise to the table. And agencies are seeking us out with ideas on how to collaborate. A great example of that is the SBIR program, and without getting too much into the minutia of the small business innovation research, but that has been called the valley of death for a lot of small businesses. They get through phase one, get to phase two, and then things fall off. And, and that's a great example of GSA coming in to say, hey, we can help get you out of that valley of death. Okay, we've got a great news story on that one. We started the pilot last May, and it looks like by the end of this fiscal year, we'll have awards that could be worth up to a billion dollars in place for small businesses through, uh, through SBIRs. And I think that's an example of an agency coming to you. We've seen it with, mm-hmm. with Oasis, the agency saying we want specific work that will go to Oasis, will drive work to Oasis in return for lower fees. So why do you think that this evolution has been happening? What, what, what was, if when, when you look back over the last 15 years or so, was it just a buildup or was there something that, you, that, that turned, that, that helped GSA turn the corner in some ways from the apology tour, as you said? The apology tour, it was trying to balance out how, we, how do we do things in a very competitive way, in a very customer-friendly way, but at the same time do things in a compliant way. So trying to balance those out. I think another thing that where GSA really turned the corner, though, was when we came to terms with not being a mandatory source. And the second GSA stopped trying to be a mandatory source again. It let us have a different relationship with our customer agencies. They didn't have to be protective over their space. We really could treat them as a partner, or we had something we thought we could bring to the table, we could add value, but we, were, we wanted to hear from them. We weren't trying to force one solution on them. The other piece of that, though, is public building service, where in many ways you are a mandatory source. And over the years, we've seen agencies who've tried to go their own way, and Congress pushed them back to GSA. PBS has had a different relationship. You, you haven't, I don't think there was an apology tour for PBS, per se. What have you seen from, and I, and I know your background is acquisition, but now that you get to... I, I get to wear both hats. Now. Wear all your hats. On the public building side, GSA does offer a fair number of delegations of authority to other agencies when they feel they can do a better job. We've got standards we're going to hold them to. But we really do work with agencies so that if they're happy, PBS has taken a different approach lately looking at that customer experience. How can we save money? If we can save a customer agency money, if we can give them better space, 
if we can have a happier federal employee, then that's a win for for the agency, it's a win for the you know, employee, and it's frankly a win for the taxpayers. I consider it a success when I go out to visit a new construction project or a building where we've gone in and done the, the redesign, and the customer agency wants to give the tour. They don't let the GSA employee give the tour. They want to show off how great this space is. And I've had several of those this year where we've cut space by 50% in some cases, but the employees are thrilled with the results, and they can do their jobs better. They have more modern space, they're, and, and they're happier, and it's saved their agencies a, a substantial amount of money. And GSA overall has saved taxpayers, about, our customer agencies, about $6.8 billion last year. And we're on track to save a fair amount of money again this year. I want to look forward because I think both the previous interview with Lenny and Mary helped kind of look at how GSA evolved from their perspective. As the administrator, you get to set the, if you will, path forward. And, and whether you're here for one more year or, or five more years, eventually you will leave. <laughs> and that path that you're setting today will be picked up by other people. So maybe give me a sense, because there's an ever-growing demand for GSA services, both internally and externally. There's a potential merger happening. So there's so many things that are kind of coming to, into GSA. How do you ensure that the path or the strategy going forward is able to be supportive and there's no more apology tours? Are you asking me how do we take care of the people or how do we take care of the policy or sort of both? I think both. Let's start with people because people is most important. And then let's talk about this demand more generally, the demand for services, the demand for more of GSA. I have my initiatives as the GSA administrator, but I also know that whoever comes after me is going to have their initiatives, just as the administrators before me had their initiatives. And many of those end up becoming foundational for the next group. In addition to sort of my three priorities where I've been focusing on the federal marketplace, the strategic leasing, and shared services, I've also been focusing on what I consider the four key capacities GSA needs. And that's really looking at everything from IT modernization, customer experience, data and analytics, and in change management, frankly, at the end of the day. How can we do a better job of all of those? If I can help implement those, it's going to help GSA expand to meet the needs our customers come to us with in a way that I couldn't even begin to imagine today. First and foremost, though, in all of that, it's the people. And how do we make sure we're recruiting the right people, that we keep those people, we retain them, that we're reskilling them. There's some great stuff that's going on in the CFO's office right now. We're teaching people to code so that we can actually help them do some of the robotics process automation. But then also, how do we recognize people who are doing a great job? You got to talk to two great GSA employees earlier who have come back each of them for over 30 years. I want everyone to come back for over 30 years. When you look at everything that's happening across GSA, where is the one area that you are spending more time on or from a, let me make sure that this is on the right path for, make sure that whenever I do leave, that the next administrator can pick up and continue to run with the football, if you will. So in addition to those four areas I was talking about, trying to really inculcate those, I'll give you four areas that I'm working on. First one, robotics process automation, and just really tracking what we're doing there. And we learned that we couldn't just think of it as RPA. That it's really looking at it as an eliminate, optimize, automate program. We've been able to save 70,000 hours worth of GSA labor so far. Uh, we've got another 200,000 hours identified that we're going to be addressing. So th- there's really a lot of opportunity there, and that's going to give GSA back some resources it sorely needs to be doing sort of higher dollar value work or you know, and higher mental value work than data entry. Second area, federal marketplace. It's one I'm just really passionate about. 
schedules consolidation and all the promise that brings, that's going to be transformational for the GSA schedules program and for our workforce, for our vendors, and for our customer agencies. The least cost savings work that we're doing right now and the cost avoidance, again, that if we can do that, if we can get better data on building utilization, there is a lot of savings that can be returned to taxpayers. We're tracking right now that we'll, for the new leases we've been putting in place this year, we're about 20% below market value. We're seeing this new, uh, new process. So, I mean, that's a really great story to be telling, and it's going to have savings that will last for 10 to 15 years going forward. And then the fourth one is shared services. Uh, the work that we're doing on payroll first, but also looking at the other types of transactional work GSA can take on or work with other agencies to facilitate the transition to the appropriate place so that we're not duplicating each other's efforts. Again, it's not about becoming a mandatory source. It's about making sure that we aren't all just doing the same thing again and again without that added value. So if I can get those four things done, I think I'll have left or at least have the foundation in place for those. I think GSA will be a stronger place in the future. What's the one thing that you think people should know about GSA that maybe they don't or they don't really think about? How much the people here really care about what they're doing. How invested they are in helping other agencies and trying to come up with ways that we can add value. There's this idea out there that some people have that it's people coming every day and and just executing leases or building a building and they leave it at at their desk when they go home. I have yet to meet a GSA employee who leaves their work at their desk. They all really take it very personally and are committed to that mission. Emily Murphy is administrator of the General Services Administration. Check out the special report, GSA at 70, Mission Evolved, including Monday's interview with two of the longest-serving employees and a photo gallery. It's all at federalnewsnetwork.com. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.